Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Tim Kalinowski of Action Network, joined by BCS themselves, the heartbeat of our college football coverage, Brett McMurphy, Colin Wilson, and Stucky. So I'm not going to have any time for pleasantries here. Let's, let's dive right into it. Ohio State 20, Penn State 12, Drew Aller puke. Marvin Harrison Jr., 11 receptions, 162 yards. I'll start with this. Brett, what the hell was that Penn State offense that we saw? Yeah, it shows how much I knew. I, th- I thought maybe they were playing possum the first half of the season and not showing anything before this game. But, yeah, they, they had nothing. They had no answer. And, yeah, if you're a Penn State fan, that's got to be frustrating it just doesn't work. You know, James Franklin has been a very good coach when he doesn't coach against Ohio State and Michigan. And after seeing him play Ohio State, I have no confidence that they're going to be able to compete against Michigan. I don't see that happening. You know, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Penn State's a lock for New Year's Six game. Now, you know, make your reservations for the Citrus Bowl because they're going to fall out of the top 12. And that's that's where I think they end up unless somehow they find some kind of magic between now and uh, the Michigan game. Yeah, I tend to feel the same way. I think the public sentiment would agree. Colin and Stucky, you guys touched on it a little bit on the pod, um, the uh, betting reaction. Colin, as a a lot of us have some Penn State (laughs) tickets here. Awful did that feel. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think – I don't think anybody was hitting Penn State as early as probably we were, but, uh, you know, that – it's a demoralizing loss because you believe in offensive coordinator, Mike Yurisich. I mean, every stop that he's been at, he's had really great offenses and you just trust him as one of the, I mean, there's coordinators you trust and there's coordinators you don't. I don't trust Dan Enos. I do trust Mike Yurisich. And 
for him to have Jim Knowles and Ohio State lining up and cover zero and blitzing eight up the middle in between the tackle boxes and for Penn State to not take one shot over the middle. They had four passes over 20 yards. Three of those targets of those four dropped the passes. So maybe the problem isn't Drew Aller. Maybe the problem is, you know, Dante Sevis didn't work in the transfer portal. Maybe the receivers just don't have the juice in them. And maybe this isn't a Urisic and Aller problem because they just have no explosiveness. They're going to beat everybody in a phone booth. But any any team, when you get into a big-time game like this with, with Michigan and then in their bowl game, whoever they play, unless it's like Kentucky or something, they're going to have problems with explosives and it's going to limit them on who they can beat. Yeah, it was just the offense that we saw here. I told Colin last before the Ohio State game, I came on our recap pod and I said, Penn State's not winning the national title with this offense. Remember when I said that, Colin? As oh yeah. This, mm-hmm. I, I so I I was not surprised. Uh, it's the offense we've seen all year, and you can't just turn it on against the first defense you play with a pulse. So, I think your next question. So yeah, no, nothing was really surprising there to me. Um, plus, I tweeted this out earlier. I did. I do have some uh, close friends and sources on the the sources guy. Uh, I have some <laughs> sources close to. Uh, in Happy Valley, close to the program, and they did. I tweeted this out earlier. They did notify me that uh, Franklin simply was looking past Ohio State, and he was preparing to cover against Indiana all week. So um, that kind of maybe excuses some of the offensive deficiencies. But um, I think you're going to ask about the Big Ten futures market next. What is what are the updated prices? National championship odds, Michigan, plus 225. They're now the favorite. Ohio State, 7-1. to one. Penn State, 50-1. to one. Big 10, Penn State's 14-1. to one. Ohio State's plus 150. Michigan favorite at minus 105. So I guess kind of my question is like, didn't what we kind of, the, what it was expected to happen, happened. And then the odds are, you know, completely counting out Penn State. Is that justified? Well, I mean, number one, Michigan, looked great again so they've looked clearly like the best team in the big 10 but penn it's not that just penn state lost it's that illinois lost late in the final minute iowa had the punt called back they lost and northwestern lost those are the penn state's three west opponents and if everyone does indeed so if you look at the standings right now that if they all hold serve at home then it comes that that's the tiebreaker and Penn state's three West teams are Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern. As I mentioned now, they now have a five and nine record just based on my power ratings. They're projected to go 11 and 16 Michigan plays Nebraska, Purdue, and Minnesota out of the West. They're currently five and seven in the big 10. They're projected to go 12 and 15 and Ohio state plays Wisconsin, Purdue, and Minnesota. Those teams are currently six and six projected to go 15 and nine. So Penn State is way behind the eight ball when it comes to the tiebreaker. So, and I just don't see how they're going to get there. I mean, Northwestern. um, And the only difference between Ohio State and Michigan in their opponents is Nebraska versus Wisconsin. And it's hard to imagine that Nebraska, looking at the schedules, ends up with a better conference record than Wisconsin. Um, So... Ohio State, it looks like, will most likely have the tiebreaker. So I think there's a tiny bit of value in Ohio State to win the Big Ten currently because there's a couple different paths. Like you could, like 
that Penn State could beat Michigan at home. Or, you know, Ohio State could beat Michigan. Um, and either one of those, I think that means, you know, th- there's a chance that Ohio State would be going into that Michigan game at the end of the year with the Big Ten division. The Big Ten is already locked up uh, if Penn State were to beat Michigan. And then also, I don't think there's any chance whatsoever of this, but there's also whatever's hanging over the heads of Michigan. Who, who knows? I mean, that's just like yeah, some extra variance. But Ohio State looks like it's going to win this tiebreaker. So Penn State is going to be a short home dog, not you know under a touchdown. If they can beat Michigan or Ohio State beat Michigan. And then Penn State's best chance now, in my opinion, is beat Michigan at home. And Wisconsin has to beat Ohio State this weekend because Ohio State has – uh, after Wisconsin, they're at Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota at home before the Michigan game. So realistically, you know, I guess the Rutgers could put up a fight. I just don't think they have. Yeah, look out for offense. the shadow, man. Uh, but I, I think Wisconsin, Wisconsin beating Ohio State is probably Penn State's last gasp at winning the Big Ten um, because they're just not going to get there with a the tiebreaker. I think it's more about an aptitude of Penn State than it is anything else. I am not a believer in Ohio State. They have a decent defense. It's the first one Penn State's really seen all year. But there's nothing explosive about that offense that tells me that they can hang with Michigan, a pack, whoever's going to win the Pac-12, a couple of Big 12 teams. Uh, there's just nothing about Ohio State's game that tells me that they are up to the level that they've been in years past and that they're going to be able to hang in the playoff. Yeah, it doesn't. it doesn't look good for the rest of the year. Like I said, you know, make the reservations for the Citrus Bowl. You're not going to beat Michigan. Uh, if you do, then great. But, yeah, that I would have no confidence of Penn State being able to win against Michigan. And, you know, yeah, you go 10-2. and two, But, once again, James Franklin struggles against the Big Two and the Big Ten. Brett, you, I love how you um, bang the drum of, hey, look, the Heisman's the best player on the best team or the undefeated team, last uh, undefeated team standing, whatnot. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s number for the Heisman has been on the move big time today. It's now down to 20 to 1 at Bet MGM. You know, we've he's not a quarterback, but do they um does this fit your mold? Would would the nod indeed go to Harrison um if Ohio State is maybe one loss, Michigan? Uh I, I don't know. I still think it's going to take a lot. I mean, I still there's so many quarterbacks that are alive. McCarthy, I mean, what Jaden Daniels. Uh, beats Alabama and then has a monster game against George against Georgia. I think he's alive. Jordan Travis, Bo Nix, Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, back at Georgia. Actually, and I think that's this isn't the case with Harrison. At this point, I actually think it's better not to be the favorite because all anyone <laughs> wants to do when you're the favorite is Bury knock down. you down. Yeah, yeah, like Penix. Penix is minus 140. I was like, give me a break. You know, I'll I'll book those. But, you know, and so what happens? He has a bad game. Well, now Penix has no shot. People overreact. I mean, I wish there was some way that I could make this wager, and I know there's not. But basically, I am saying that the winner of the Heisman is going to have a monster game in either the regular season finale and or the conference title game. That will win them the Heisman. That Those one or two games. Is that the best player in America? No. But that's what the voters look for. It's not about stats. It's not about passes and TD interception ratio. 
um, passing total offense. That doesn't matter anymore. Everybody wants a moment. And all these moments right now are great and everything. Nobody's going to remember any of this stuff. What they will remember is the regular season finale against a big rival, or they will remember the conference title game, unless somebody has just blown everybody else away, which is we're seeing that's not happening. So your original question about Harrison, yeah, if he has a monster game against Michigan, he has a monster game in the Big Ten title game, then yes, he could do it. But if he just has, you know, pedestrian numbers, they're not going to say, well, he still had a great year receiving. That doesn't matter. You, I hate that this is what the Heisman has become, but this is what the Heisman has become. Hate to uh, put some, you know, throw some, <laughs> throw some cold water here on Marvin Harrison Jr. But from the stats perspective, he's not even close when it comes to total yards receiving, when it comes to touchdowns. Uh, Malik Neighbors, LSU wide receiver, is going to be playing and could be playing in the SEC championship game. He leads the nation in yards. He has nine touchdowns, three more than Marvin Harrison Jr. I, he's not even Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't even the best player at his position. And other wide receivers are going to have a chance on the conference championship stage to show how great they are. So I I don't know why this is the whole thing. It's the flavor of the week. They get all the all you know all the money. This Marvin Harrison Jr. number getting knocked down. Ultimately, not going to happen. Yeah, yeah people. It'll just take one 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 off week, and then he's done. Uh, yeah. Not even in the combo. You're buying completely high here. And against Indiana, Marvin Harrison Jr. had two catches for 18 yards. Against Notre Dame, he had three catches for 32 yards. Just one more game like that, he's gone, done. So, but yeah. nobody. Yes, you're right, Stuck. But nobody will remember that if. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Over, no one remembers. Go those, over, that's... go over over 100 against uh, Michigan at, or in the Big Ten title game. Yeah. And the, the big winner of the week was me, who had Marvin Harrison's under receiving yards, 91 and a half. Well done, Tim. Um, let's move on to rat traps. UTSA. We're going to have plenty to get to, but this is the, the beauty of doing this pod on Monday. UTSA, they're playing East Carolina this weekend. They're 19-point favorites. UTSA puts rat traps with cheese in the players' lockers, and they want to symbolize, you know, don't eat the cheese, don't fall for it, which a lot of teams did this past weekend, mind you. And then sure enough, the coach, Jeff Trailer, he ends up getting his finger, one of his fingers gets smashed in one of the rat traps. And just a tremendous story. Everything we love about college football. If you were, Brett, if you were a group of five head coach and you didn't want your team to, you know, eat the cheese, what would, what would your gimmick be? Uh, I would show them a clip of Nick Saban talking to his team when they're a 40 point favorite against a group of five team. Cause what Saban tells his team is look, just because this may not be an sec game, the NFL scouts don't care when they're looking at your tape. It's not going to matter who you're playing. You need to play your best, best play, your best game, play after play. And if you guys don't put forth the effort, it's going to show on tape. Now you're not going to have group of five guys going to, to the NFL like Alabama guys, but look, if, if you want a chance to to move on up through the portal, you know, you gotta you gotta play hard. So I I would I would put some clips of Saban together and and let the uh the goat uh explain himself. No, you you tell him Deion Sanders is watching in the portal. That, that's what you tell them. <laughs> Colin, what do you have? This is easy for me. I mean you brought up UTSA and it's funny because I brought this up on a podcast years ago before the pandemic uh, to stuck is an actual capping measure that UTSA had a Lucha Libra wrestling event happen before the game outside the Alamo dome and sponsored by HEB groceries down in Texas there. But 
it, it makes me think that if I was a G5 coach or if I was a coach anywhere and I had a little bit of pull to get some star power in, it would be professional wrestling by far. There is no bigger tie between professional wrestlers that have made it to AEW and WWE than to college football. I mean, we're talking Roman Reigns played at Georgia Tech, right? Big E played at Iowa. I mean, I could go the Seth Rollins is from Iowa. I mean, I could just name a ton of WWE and AEW uh, wrestlers that used to be college football players and they still support. I would have, I mean, if you're in the Carolinas, you could put a flare or a Rhodes. I mean, there's just so much history in Texas and the Carolinas to pro wrestling. I would easily make that my gimmick. Well, now that we've lost half the audience, uh, they're coming talking about wrestling for five minutes. Listen to me. Listen to Ignacio. I know it is fun to wrestle. A nice pile drive to the face or a punch to the face. But you cannot do it because it is in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. Uh, you know, we're talking about roadrunners here, UTSA. So you got to just like unleash some coyotes in the locker room and keep everyone <laughs> alert. Um and by the way, do you know Roadrunners are monogamous? They they mate for they once they mate, they're with their partner for life. <gasps> Roadrunners are real. If I were to do one thing, if I was Jeff Trail to keep UTSA focused this week, I would just not show my team any of the ECU offensive film. That's what I I would not because then everyone is going to go to sleep and not show up on Saturday because it's absolutely. I think the worst offense in the country. And it's a country that includes the state of Iowa. And Charlotte state dominated. Charlotte dominated East Carolina. ECU, they don't even have a quarter. They're like switching quarterbacks again. Their offense is so, it's so bad. So I just would not show the film uh, of the ECU offense and then maybe, maybe let a coyote out in the locker room if people are slacking off later in the week. Shout out to uh, Mr. Cuzzy for pointing that in the direction of the pod um, listener, fan, and J.J. Perez as well. We had a number of close calls this weekend, gentlemen. Texas, 31, Houston, 24. Perhaps the biggest loss is their starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers. He appears to be out with an AC joint sprain. Oklahoma, 31, UCF, 29. Close call there. And then Washington, 15, Arizona State, 7, well into, uh, felt like into Sunday morning. Which of these close calls, Brett, is most alarming? Uh, to me, it was Washington against Arizona State. I mean, the Huskies are at home. They, they should have lost that game, um, if not for a pick six. Uh, that was most stunning to me. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma being flat after their game, even two weeks later, that's not really a big surprise. Um, but for me, I, it's, I don't know if that just – you know, maybe, you know, Washington struggled and, you know, against Cal, but they blew him, you know, the score was misleading. Maybe Washington is just getting too much credit. Maybe they're not as good as we think they are. And then long-term they, geez, they still got USC, Utah, at Oregon state in the apple cup. Good luck with that. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say Washington's close call against the sun devils was the biggest shocker to me. Colin, do you concur? You're looking somewhere else. No, I mean, I, I I think the Big 12 is ripe to cannibalize himself. Usually it's the Pac-12. I think it's going to be the Big 12. The fact that, you know, Texas switching to Malik Murphy, which is going to make them more of a ground-based attack, fine, whatever. Kansas State's on the schedule. That's a problem. Oklahoma, 
I don't think I think Stucky and I who both had money. We both had money on UCF this past weekend. Least surprised people that it came down to a two point conversion because Oklahoma just does these kind of things. Uh, they're gonna have games where they bolt race you, then they're gonna have games they lose that they shouldn't. Who's on their schedule? That's a hornet's nest that they're gonna walk into that I think they could lose to Oklahoma State. So I, I really think the whole and this play, week they could they could lose this yeah, week. This Kansas this Kansas line reeks of just garbage. I just think OU is due. Texas has Kansas State, which Kansas State is soaring right now. So I think it's Big Twelve that knocks themselves out. Stucky. Yeah, I think it's Oklahoma. They're, I mean, they're they're right. They're going to get picked off eventually. They can't run the ball either. Um, but I mean, obviously, the most long was UNC because they lost uh, as a second <laughs> biggest FBS upset of the season. I think Texas State is the biggest over Baylor to start the year. Um, but UNC's done now. They're dead. You can light any UNC tickets you have on fire. Uh, they are not going to the college football playoff. Burn it to the ground. So yeah, that was certainly the most alarming. And uh, and then I would say, yeah, Oklahoma. And then Washington, too. Like, I, I think Washington, like Arizona State, put some really good film out there on how to attack this Washington offense and how to get into Penix's head. A lot of cover zero, a lot of just all-out gap blitzes. Uh, up in the A and B gaps. Um, and that offense went, was completely out of rhythm. The defense still has holes. I mean, you got to remember when they played Oregon, number one, the game was at home. They got out game by what, 100. They gave up like 550 yards and Oregon just went 0-3 on fourth down. And um, they could have easily lost that game. So I don't think Washington is surviving undefeated either. You know, who's picking them off, right? I know who's picking them off. I mean, uh, let's look, let's they have USC. They have to go to USC. Not a problem. They host Utah. Not a problem. At Oregon State, that's a problem. That's a problem for Washington. Yeah. And Brett, you believe that the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize each other. You made a change to your uh, your bowl projections. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. Colin mentioned the Big Twelve. It'll happen in the Big Twelve, whether it does or not. We'll see. It, it also will happen to the to the Pac-12. I mean, you've got six teams ranked in the top 25. They, we have seven games left involving those six teams. Um, I, I just think nobody emerges undefeated from that league. I don't know if the champion's going to have two losses or not. That may be a stretch. But um, I just think that the last five weeks that we're going to see chaos in the Pac-12 and their last season, um, you know, unfortunately for them, Unless somebody can run the table, I think they're going to get knocked off and maybe bounced out of the bounced out of the playoff in one of the final two weeks. Would you put a, a two loss, Brad? What do you think? Because you know the committee how they work. Would you put a two loss LSU SEC champion in over, say, a two loss Oregon Pac twelve champion or Washington two loss Pac twelve champion? Uh, the thing is, none of those guys are getting in if there's any one loss champs available. Yeah, with the exception of like Stucky mentioned, North Carolina. They, if North Carolina runs a table, they would only have one top 25 win. That would be Florida State. The non-conference was, is nothing. Oregon didn't have anything in the non-conference. Uh, LSU lost to Florida State, which is not a bad loss, but they still lost. And then Washington's got, um, Washington's got nothing in the non-conference. So then basically the committee will sit there and judge who had the stronger play within their own conference. Um, you know, again, without going through the whole schedule, I don't want to bore everybody. I mean, I think it'd be right now, it'd be too close to call. It would, it would depend on, um, who that second loss came to for Oregon and Washington. And then also, you know, 
if there are any top 25 wins within conference play? If Oregon runs the table, then uh, that means they'll have a win uh, at Arizona State. Which right, is, but I'm saying, well, yeah, if Oregon had, making, he said if two losses, so. I know, I was making a joke yeah. about how good Oh, Arizona I got State you, is. right. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, Stecky's already called that one out. Arizona State over Oregon November 18th. Yeah, but if they beat, if they win that game, put them in the in the championship. Yeah, they well, win the national title. It seems like one of the favorite spoilers is Oregon State, and if there's everyone's kind of picked Oregon State to spoil team X, Y, and Z. Maybe Oregon State's a look for Pac-12 right now. I don't know if um. Well, they know. need to play the championship game in Corvallis, not Las Vegas, and then they'd have. A- <laughs> Fair enough. I have an Oregon State ticket, so I'm hoping. Uh, from preseason, I'm hoping that they run the table. I'm still pissed about that Washington State game, but yeah, they get nice. all the, they get all the tough games at home until the finale. The finale. Um, so a lot to be determined. I mean, you got to remember, there's also like so, and everyone to bring this up, but like some some of these teams could lose their quarterback, right? Like there could be a significant quarterback injury, and um, there's a lot of football Penix we played. Is banged a, up too. Penix banged up. Yeah, there's a lot of parity. I mean, look at Michigan. God forbid if they lost their quarterback. I mean, you're you're down to what Jack Tuttle, like, and then they're done. Um, so there's a lot of football to play. There's a, so much more parity at the top this year that there's going to be some crazy twists and turns. Like my only advice would be just if you're looking to tap into the futures and highs in market, which are as wide open as ever, just don't buy anything after something really good happens and overreact because there's just there's going to be so many more or twists and turns the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, I like to do some overreacting here. Uh, talking upsets, Virginia, you guys already said it. They beat North Carolina over on the CW. Uh, Utah, 34, USC, 32. Wasn't indeed an upset. USC was favored. Minnesota, 12. Iowa, 10. Um, thoughts and prayers to anyone who watched every second of that game. I have some questions on the <laughs> on the cleanup of all of this, um, maybe Brett. Well, will, will Brian Ferentz actually get fired, and will that actually change things? Uh, you can choose to answer that. You can choose to answer about will USC get a defense. You can choose to answer. Does UNC have a chance? Uh, pick pick your poison. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about about Brian. Uh, you know, that's that's a tough situation. Kirk Ferentz has been there forever. You know, does if his son you know, it has to leave. Will he go with him? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on that stuff. Will USC get a defense? Um, not not before the end of this year. Uh, will they let their players talk to the media? That's a question I have since Lincoln Riley made, his, made history at USC, becoming the first coach in the last uh, uh, hundred years, not to make his players available after a loss. Um, and then, you know, you know, going off track here, there was, I won't mention his name, a media member who suggested that Caleb Williams should shut it down because they're out of the playoff running to which of course I totally disagree with a thousand percent and then proceeded to tweet, you know, well, we've got 110 of 133 teams that already have two losses. So maybe they should all shut it down um, for safety reasons since they have no chance at the playoff. Obviously you can't, uh, put sarcasm on Twitter. Some people actually thought I was serious, but uh, I've rambled on enough. So let's Stucky and Colin go since they went head to head in USC, UCLA last week. 
Acho. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Well, I actually wanted to ask Brett uh, about a potential coaching rumor that went pretty wild today. Good old Dick Rod, Rich Rod, getting with his success at Jacksonville State, West Virginia, going down to your pokes, message boards saying Rich Rod <laughs> to West Virginia's a done deal. Um, uh, so full circle, we've come full circle here. Yeah, is that really what West Virginia fans want? They want Rich Rod back. I, I, um, I guess I, I think again. I hate because I report stuff. So when I speculate stuff, people are like, "Oh, you're reporting it." I'm not reporting it. Is it a done deal? Absolutely not. Um, you know, would Rich Rod go back to West Virginia? I'm sure he would. He's going, you know, I'm sure he'd go to any power five school, nothing against Jacksonville state who I do think will get to a bowl game this year, even though they're on uh second year of double secret transition probation with the NCA, you know, stuck. I don't know. There's so much, so much stuff's out there. And whenever I don't, you know, I don't want this to sound wrong, but whenever you or anyone starts it out with on the message board, I read, I just literally tune out, you know, cause it's just, it's just fans. It's fans that are, you know, it's the old adage, the people that say things don't know and the people that know don't say anything. So um, I'd, I'd take it with a grain of salt. Could Rich Rod end up at West Virginia? Yeah. If West Virginia loses out, absolutely. But it, to say it's a done deal, uh, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> Colin, you could go any direction from, from what we mentioned. Enos, go Enos. Well, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, for those that don't know, Arkansas fired their offensive coordinator yesterday. It was the happiest cartwheel I've done on a golf course in history yesterday. I could be doing cartwheels and a thong in front of that television. You know, it's about time. But Pittman came out today and said, listen, the, the playbook just had too much volume. It was never grasped. And then he said, he said something in his interview today that I said on our BBOC podcast. We are we were doing long developing plays with an offensive line that couldn't stick their blocks. We've got to go back to a much quicker offense. I'll say this once. I hope the social team doesn't cut it and put it out there. All Pittman could talk about was how this Arkansas team was going to be fast, quick hitters. KJ's going back to the Bryles offense, 23 seconds per play. Uh, I'm not saying this is going to immediately translate to a whole bunch of wins, but I guarantee you the first over I hit on the board next Sunday is going to be be Florida, Arkansas, because if odds makers just simply compute the number and stick the total out there, you're not paying attention because Sam Pittman says this needs to be a fast offense again. And guess what? The head coach of Florida does not mind running tempo as fast as he possibly can either. Social team, please, please clip that. Thank you. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
And just a reminder that BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Arkansas post Enos taking on Collins nemesis in their first game. Collins either going to have a, a new car or be homeless uh, on uh, next Sunday. <laughs> it'll be a lot. It's going to be a lot going down. Well, we'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled and in, in the action app as well. Um, as I was saying, Maserati Marv, that's about all we heard from Gus Johnson during the, the Fox broadcast of that Penn state, Ohio state game. And look, I had a lot of money on Penn state, I, I was just so into fade this Ohio State team, but I was fading, obviously, the wrong offense. Is there anything worse than when you're just watching a game, you have money on the other side, and the announcer's just five yard out, Maserati Marv, and you're just, you know, you're just melting. Uh, I'll ask you, Brett, do you, when you, you know, obviously you've watched a lot of college football, is there is there a, a broadcast team or a production that you turn on and you're like, yeah, this game, this is a big one, this is a big game? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to take the fifth on this. I know too many <laughs> of these guys. I've worked with a lot of them. They're all they're all super to me. Um, really, they really are. Um, if if somebody was not great, I, I'd call them out. But they're not. Spoken like a true politician. Um, so I'm going to have to go old school. And I know Stucky's eyes are rolling in the back of his head because he doesn't want me to talk about a blast from the past. But I'm going to do it anyway. You knew it was a monster game when you turned on the television set. Yes, you had to turn it on. You didn't have a remote. And you heard the sounds of one Keith Jackson. You knew it was a great, great game. That was mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. Do you have to Google him? I didn't even I didn't think you were alive when he was when he was doing games. Come on. Uh the granddaddy <laughs> of them all. The um, yeah, I loved Keith Jackson and I'll give a special shout out. By the way, I I tweeted out a video of this once. I if I'm by myself, which a lot of times I am on a, on a Saturday, I with all of my TVs, I will put all, I have the volume on all of them at once. Uh, oh, I watch stop. a game like a psycho. Um, stop. Yeah, and then when it gets to like the, and I'm up, standing, pacing, it's, it's yep. not a sight. You would you would be like amazed. Be, if so, if you lock me up at a mental institution if you saw how I watched games on a Saturday. And then when it comes down to the wire of one game, then I'll mute the other ones and then put that one up. That explains a lot, actually. But I'll give a shout out to Sean McDonough. I think he does a really good job. He's so I love how snarky he gets too sometimes. Yeah. He, he'll throw in a passive aggressive kind of like it, it's it's really a pleasure if you if you can catch it. Um he also mentioned he'll mention the spread too. He'll be like, that's this is important to some, you know, so he's yeah. not uh, completely deaf. Al Michaels is the king at mentioning the spread. That's going to be a touchdown. There's no extra point, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even care anymore. He just, he'll he'll like blatantly say it now. Um, Colin, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I would go with somebody that's not doing it anymore. I'd say Vern Lundquist, but just because he did SEC for so long, it meant so much to me. And now I have to settle for Vern hanging out in a tower on the 17th over, you know, at the Masters. So at I'll take what I can get. But if I had to call somebody out today that I love listening to, I'm not saying that it immediately makes me feel like it's a big game because the games that he covers, they're big to me. 
Uh, but I got a chance to meet a lot of people in the booth this summer at media days. Like I love meeting Brock Heward, but the one I love meeting was Aaron Taylor at CBS sports. I mean, he, he is as hilarious in person as he is on camera. And I will, I, I had a big laugh with him because he said something during a tele a mountain West telecast last year that he got in trouble for, um, he, for some reason, this team, I think it was Nevada. They only had six guys in the box and the defense like brought two more in. He says, here we are sugar in the box. And my wife like freaked out. Like she thought that was a sexual term, like sugar in the box. So she freaked out about that. So I told Aaron about how funny that was. And he's like, yeah, the producers called me in last year. Because I said, oh, look at this offensive line block him. He's just raw dogging him. And I was just laughing. <laughs> He's like, whoops, I shouldn't have said raw dogging him. But, uh, you know, I love watching Aaron Taylor. He's a really great guy off camera. It's, I love CBS Sports and, and getting to hear him talk. I'll, uh, I'll say, too, when you – I really like Fowler. But if once you um, hear Fowler talk about boxing references for every big game, you'll never be able to unhear it. He loves – it's like every single Saturday night game he – mentions prize fight, knockout blow, haymaker, and you'll you'll never be able to unhear it. But uh, there's a lot of good voices out there. I, I think CBS has the best production of anyone. And then I appreciate some uh, some other voices there. Um, Stucky, we have, uh, there's a lot of important injuries, especially with quarterbacks. Um, do you have any that you should uh, want, to, want us to note here? Yeah, uh, I got a lot. Boise hasn't named a starter yet. Uh, up in the air. Arizona, we don't know if they're going to go back to Delora. If the feed has been great. Texas already mentioned Malik Murphy will now get the start. Colin, what's your up? What's your downgrade or upgrade there? Uh, four and a half points. Kansas doesn't look like Daniel's going to go. He's got a shot, but he was more doubtful-ish early in the week. Kansas coming off the bye against Oklahoma. Cal, the freshman Mendoza got hurt. Still don't know if they're going to go Jackson or Finley. Schrader looks like he'll be back for Syracuse. Was I think he was sick, food poison, left game, something like that. Virginia Tech still going to be with uh, going with drones. I don't think Wells is ready. Vandy, Swan could come back. Fresno, keep an eye on if Keen, Mikey Keen can go. Middle Tennessee, UCLA, Colin, you got any? Who's going to well, play I mean, Garber's, for yeah, UCLA? I mean, and, well, no, I mean, Garber's got hurt. So, I mean, I, I think. And Schley was have- hurt. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to have Dante Moore here. I mean, uh, that here we go. So I, Colin's I, gonna bet. Colin's gonna bet UCLA and lose. Um, well, I mean, I, the problem with that is like I wonder if like Garber's got the start in relief of Dante Moore to clear his head, or if Dante Moore has made a decision to leave. I don't know. The whole situation is fascinating. ULL Chris has been playing. I think Woolridge is gonna come back soon. Keep an eye out there. Army Bryson Daly didn't play last week. Keep an eye on his status. Uh, the backup didn't really play well, but it was LSU. Duke, we'll see if Riley Leonard is 100%. He had to be pulled and beg- was begging to go back in the game. Um, but we were robbed in that game. At Louisville. Uh, K-State, they're splitting time. Colin, with your boy, uh, you, you expect that to continue? Yeah, they're going to run the Adrian Martinez-Will Howard splits like they did, and boy, and that can take them to the Big 12 championship. They still scored on, like, every possession. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my... The Mac, all my Mac manifesto next week, midseason Mac manifesto. The Mac quarterback situation is a mess. This is the worst Mac we've ever seen by far. Miami of Ohio now lost Gabbert. Uh, he's probably out for the way. year. Uh, no update yet, though. Kent State is splitting a bunch of guys. Their head coach came out today and said they're just going to try a bunch of guys that are on the roster. So good luck. You're <laughs> trying to trust the Kent State quarterback situation. Buffalo, they're now splitting guys. 
Uh, Ball State went with Kelly. They're down to like their, their third quarterback. Akron is splitting uh, guys after they lost Irons. Western Michigan is down to their – they went to their third starter last week in Wolf, their third quarterback to get a start. I, I mean, it's a mess. The Mac quarterback situation is – that Eastern Michigan quarterback, the kid Smith, is dreadful. It is the worst quarterback state I've ever seen. And even Ohio, like I love Rourkin, but their offense isn't even humming. And these, Toledo's offense is kind of mad too. It's a bad state of affairs. I got to really dig into this Mac manifesto. ULM, it looks like they're splitting – same with Tulsa. They might be splitting. They still haven't decided on a starter with Braxton after Braxton came back. Southern Miss, Will Hall said he's reevaluating. So Everything. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. The the Clemson transfer, your boy, uh, Tim, is not working out there. Hmm. Wake Forest, we'll see who goes. It might be the Marucci show again. Northwestern, Ben Bryant, we'll see if he's back from injury. No update there. UTEP midweek, we don't know if Hardison will be able to go. Uh, looks like Charlotte's Gonna go with Jalen Jones. ECU looks like they're splitting quarterbacks. Indiana doesn't matter. <laughs> their quarterback situation's up in the air, but don't bet them because this is all this is uh um Penn State Super Bowl. Um Coastal Mc, uh, Grayson McCall was in the hospital last week. So um and there's a huge drop off, huge drop off to their backup. Plumley was back for UCF. They they were dealing with the flu last week too, a bout of the flu and almost won, but he looked pretty close to 100 percent I'd expect. Him to be fully healthy moving forward. Rodgers, I assume, is likely out for Mississippi State. Unfortunately for them, they can't play the Dan Enos offense every week. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn, it looks like they'll probably continue to split snaps. but And then I think Van Dyke's probably going to be back for Miami. So there's 36 updates for you. Bang. It wasn't easy, but we finally made it. Mm-hmm. Brett, sources stumper, we're back. It may sound easy, but it will test your head and your mind. And your brain, too. There go. I don't claim to be no 36 ACT now. We're back. Sources stumper, no technical difficulties so far. Money can't buy you happiness, but can it buy you a national title? That's this week's question. Since 2014, what public schools are among the 10 largest generating revenue schools that have not won a national title? Okay, so these are public schools only, so do not include USC and Notre Dame. So four teams in the top 10 that rake in the most money have won national titles, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. Since 2014, there are six schools that rank in the top 10 with the most money that do not have a national title to show. Stucky, you're, you have, you've got nine, Colin seven, Tim six. Uh, Stucky, you can go first. Six teams that rank among the top 10 as far as the largest generating revenue schools for last year that have and not it's college won college football a revenue, title. right? The athletic department revenue, but yeah, 99% okay. of it comes from college football. Uh, let's go Texas. Texas is correct. They are number two behind Ohio State, which was number one. Colin? Michigan. They are number four behind number three, Alabama. Tim? Oklahoma. They are number 10. Well, that's an easy question. Uh, the Sooners at number 10, still looking for a title during the college football playoff. So, Stuck, we're looking for number seven, number eight, and number nine. Uh, A&M? A&M's number seven. Yep. That's the one I wanted. I'll go Tennessee. 
Tennessee actually is not even in the top 17. Wow. Tim? Florida. Florida was number eight. Yep. So we got one school left at number nine. Stuck? Maybe just because they're top of mind. Penn State? Penn State, yeah. Man, you guys swept it. Um, real quick, uh, teams, you have to go all the way down to number 17 for the next team to win the national title, of course. Tim, who would that be? North Carolina. No. That has dude, won a national title. Oh, oh, and won in that. Oh, excuse me. That that's that would be Clemson. Are you not paying attention? Clemson, right. So Clemson 17. <laughs> so you've got teams between 11 and 16. A couple of these really surprised me. Three of them surprised. Auburn's 11. That makes sense. Michigan State, they're 12. That makes sense. 13 blew me away. It's Indiana. 14. Wow. 14's a bigger surprise. Virginia. Florida State, 15. Kentucky, 16. Wow. I was, so there I was you go. thinking about Kentucky. Yeah. So, but yeah, Indiana, Virginia, the top 17. The fact that they're even in that list kind of surprised me. Of course, they all would shuffle down two spots if private schools, USC and Notre Dame, were included. The fact where's where's, uh, where's Arkansas and Oklahoma State? Okie State's not in the top 20. I know that. How about Arkansas? Uh, they got to be up there. They're probably top 25. I mean, everything sells out from baseball to basketball to uh, track and field. Everything's sold out all the time. So Not, not football. Uh, we're a baseball school. <laughs> we're a baseball school. You're a something school. It ain't football. Was it standing room only for that fucking three-point shit fest that you guys had on Saturday? I know Pittman said it was going to be standing room only. Must win is what he said. Packed that entire stadium full for three points. How can they run too many plays when they ran the same play over and over and over again? No, it's the playbook that's too uh, oh, I got you. involved. Okay, too much reading. Bad. To answer your question, um, so I've got the top 25. <clears throat> so Tennessee comes in at 18, Oregon 19. Woo Pigs at 20. Mm. Um, Oklahoma State did not make the top 25. 21 through 25 is Iowa, Wisconsin, Louisville, Illinois, and Washington. Illinois. Yeah, yeah. That's How about that? Well, Colin, Arkansas made it that's uh, first top 20 college football list since. You know, we've uh, made three sweet, sweet 16s and a couple I'm talking of. talking about college eight. football. College football. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Just saying. We've been uh, to the regional round of the baseball championship and anybody with some some look ahead uh bets for uh this week or uh storylines etc if you're hey I'll go, I'll go first and the you know since i'm the leading lead act and then let the main performers follow me i'll go quick um you know i'm still gonna play against colorado i know you guys talked about ucla's quarterback issues i don't care um, they should have beat Oregon State. They crushed Stanford. I think Chip Kelly's being coy with the starting quarterback. Uh, Bruins defense will be too much for the Buffs, who I believe will limp home down the stretch. It doesn't matter to me. They were off last week. They still have the same talent. Uh, I like UCLA. The number is up to 17. That's fine. Give me the Bruins. Stuck, is there a better marriage than Dante Moore throwing with Travis Hunter in, in coverage? Is there a better marriage waiting to happen yeah. there? I think that's a mistake, Brett. I think that everyone should wait on any UCLA game to see what Colin likes first and then bet the other side because <laughs> okay, there, there is kryptonite. Uh, I'll, I'll, give out, I'll give out Kansas plus 10. Um, I don't think it's going to go much higher, but I, I don't think Daniels is going to play. Like I, There is like the added 
chance that maybe he does. But, you know, I think that the bye will help with Bean. And, you know, he's won before. And I really love this staff. And I think that they'll have a really good game plan after the bye week with two weeks to prepare. And this Oklahoma team, they can't really run the ball. And there's some major issues there. And they really miss Anthony at wide receiver. You saw that against UCF. And he was their leading receiver. He's out for the year. And, like, you know, Drake Stoops is a, a nice little possession receiver. He'll, he'll do his job. But they, they just the passing attack now, it really misses that other element of explosiveness. So I know Oklahoma's special teams are kind of a mess, by the way. Um, so I think Kansas is going to be is very live here. Yeah, I agree. I'll wrap it up. I, there's a bet that I put on the action app. It was one of the first totals that I hit yesterday. Um, and it's taking some steam, but I think it should still be hitting that as Georgia and Florida on the over. Uh, I believe it's hanging out about 49, 49 and a half. I project this at 60. And a lot of that, you know, my projection is a bunch of variables like finishing drives, pace, what your tempo is, how fast you are, red zone, uh, and explosive plays. All the ingredients that you need for an over are in this game. Florida is atrocious in finishing drives. The pace is going to be there. Explosive plays, Florida can't defend that either. You flip over to the Georgia side, Brock Bowers isn't there. I think it's going to be more of a downfield passing attack with the kind of weapons that you have on the outside. Uh, Carson Beck has shown no limitations in throwing downfield. So I expect a more vertical passing attack from Georgia and Florida's defense has been happy to give up explosives this year. So I like the over in that game. Colin, one final yeah. question before, before we get out of here. If let's hypothetically, if Sam Pittman were to get fired, yeah, who, like, do you have any, what, what would be your first guess? The Johnson's first name Smith. that, my yeah. guess, I, I mean, I don't know if we can get him. I don't know if we can pull him out of Oregon State. Maybe Brett knows better. But, you know, there's there's a few names floating around out there that I think, man, that would be a really great hire. But to me, Jonathan Smith and the power run game that he has for Oregon State, which is a completely not a fit for the Pac-12, is a perfect fit for Fayetteville, Arkansas. So, to me, that would be the number one choice. I got a name, Dude. Brett. I, I want your, uh, your thoughts on this name. <laughs> What's he got? I can't see it. Oh, Petrino. Maybe that's our new offensive coordinator. I mean, is there a world? I mean, Pittman, and he has a good relationship with Pittman, and maybe Pittman says, hey, listen, I won't take over your fourth and one and your third down, your punt calls. You can just come on back up here. I think the fan base would love him. But are you hiring your replacement? You're crazy. I I can't see that happening. I do, like, man, I I I wouldn't tell you which announcers, you know, I like. I took the fifth. I am a huge Jonathan Smith fan. Love the guy, love him as a person, as a coach. You know, look, they don't know what's going to happen with their conference. I'm sure he publicly wouldn't say it, but I'm sure he would probably prefer to get to a more stable situation. I think he's the most underrated coach in the country, without question. He's just up there in Corvallis. Nobody knows about him. If Arkansas split ties with Pittman, I think Smith would be a tremendous person that the Hogs should look at very closely. I'm hoping for Brian Ferentz gets fired to Iowa. Arkansas hires him as head coach, and Ferentz brings Dan Enos back as OC. Ferentz, Ferentz should hire Petrino. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yes. I just want to see if it would work. Like I want to, like I want to see if it's just, if it's just something in the water there, or it would really work. But yeah, I'm taking Western Kentucky plus four and a half against Liberty, just because they're wearing the coolest helmets in the entire world. If you yeah. haven't seen them. 
you have to look at it. They're different version of the Hilltopper for every position group. Phenomenal. Well done. Gimmick uniforms. That's how you do it. They steal that yeah, from Oklahoma. It's a good State, handicap right? there. No, they've actually done this for a couple of years. Um, they've got, like Tim said, they've got seven, depending on what position you play, that's the logo on your helmet, big red, the big blob. So they've got seven different position groups. And the best thing is they have the, like the little Google eyes on the front of the helmet. Um, so yeah, if you like playing teams based on helmets, uh, take the Hilltoppers this week. It can, oh, you it should get only, one. It, it can only help their defense. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't. I think that there's nothing that can help that defense. I, I Con, you should get one of those to, for your backdrop. Those are cool yeah. ass looking helmets. They they sell the t-shirts. I don't know if you can get helmets or not. Yeah, I I was looking at buying the t-shirt, but I like want all seven of them. <laughs> I right. can't figure out which one I want. But yeah, so as I go online shopping for that uh, here, that'll do it for this episode of BBOC presented by BetMGM. The podcast no Clemson returns- talk. You don't want to talk Clemson? I thought I was escaping. Game. I thought I was escaping. Davo um, throwing throwing his whole team under the bus in the presser. <laughs> Probably shouldn't make a comment about mental health ever again. That was about suicide uh, watch. And then the the, the week before the game, he says, well, maybe we should lose to get some people off of the bandwagon. Well, mission accomplished. By the way, Clemson last 13 games, Tim, I know you're aware of it, but I'll bring it up anyway. Seven and six. Listen, that's seven Tim thought he was getting out of here. here, (laughs) Listen, I think a lot of fan people uh, can relate to a situation like this when the hope, the ceiling of your season has already disintegrated. You at some point as a fan, you say, I hope we just straight up lose at this point so that the necessary changes are made. And I, and I don't, I'm not one of those fire Dabo people, but use the damn portal, please take a self scouting this off season and figure it the hell out said my piece thank you thank you guys appreciate it now i get to uh, <laughs> be all red-faced here and um yeah it was an exciting episode thanks guys appreciate it so yeah let's try this again the podcast returns wednesday morning with uh mike calabrese and mike i for their week nine group of five deep dive before colin and stucky's big betting preview episode out late thursday thank you for joining us we'll see you all next time here on the big bets on campus podcast Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.